The reading this evening is from John chapter 20, starting at verse 19, and it can be found on page 1089 of the Church Bibles. John chapter 20, verse 19, Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray while she stands? Father God, we just thank you for those wonderful words we've just been singing. We thank you for your amazing grace that saves a wretch like me. And Father, we thank you for your grace that as we open your words, you descend to us, that you speak to us, your lowly people. We pray this evening you give us ears to hear and hearts that long to love and obey in response. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do take seats. There are some moments in our lives, in our world, that can dramatically change our outlook on everything. Moments that change the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, the way we see the world. The birth of a child, the death of a friend or family member, a debilitating accident, an act of terrorism or or good friends becoming vegans. (laughs) I know, what a life-changing moment that was for me. I'm not vegan, by the way, friends. Uh, Our our outlook, our passage this evening is, is one of those moments. It's one of those outlook-changing moments. You see, after Jesus died, verse 19 of our passage, we, we see his disciples, his closest followers, cowering together in a locked room for fear that the Jews would come and arrest and punish them just like they did to Jesus. The disciples are scared, really scared. And yet, just a few weeks later after this moment, the same disciples would be fearlessly proclaiming the good news of Jesus to thousands. It's an incredible transformation. Miraculous, you might say. Seeing Jesus, their their friend, their saviour, die on a cross was a shattering experience for them. For when he hangs there on a cross, all that they hoped he would be, their saviour, their rescuer, well, that all seemed like a distant dream. They were left with shattered hopes, shattered confidence, painful grief, and now they live in fear. But something happens, something happens to propel these guys out into the world, boldly proclaiming Jesus to everyone and every where, no longer 
hidden away, no longer fearing arrest or death. And tonight we see a glimpse at the the moment where that change of outlook started. It starts here, it continues at Pentecost. But this is an outlook-changing moment. And I wonder if whether it should be a moment that changes our outlook too. For the thing that changes their outlook is the resurrection of Jesus, isn't it? And we today, if we're Christian, we know and trust in Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection. Yet if we're honest, many of us probably are a little bit like the disciples in that locked room. Living in fear of what might happen if we speak up or speak out for Christ. More like the disciples in the locked room than we are the disciples proclaiming Jesus to thousands. As a church, we can find great safety and comfort and joy. It's a good thing gathering together in our nice building, surrounded by people who think like we do. And the scary world out there, well, if we're honest, best keep our heads down. Better not to tell people at school about what we did on Sunday nights. Better not to talk about faith in the office. Better not to talk about our love for Jesus or the the world's need for Jesus. After all, that might offend. And people might not like us. Perhaps it's best just to be a little bit more hidden away. Gather together, lock the doors and wait for Jesus to return. But the challenge for us this evening is that the resurrection changed everything for the disciples. And perhaps it should do for us as well. And so this evening we're just going to look at four things that Jesus says to his motley crew. Four ways that Jesus' resurrection appearances here change everything. And the first thing he says is this. Peace be with you. The disciples' fear is understandable, isn't it? Whenever a revolutionary leader is arrested by the authorities, then naturally his or her followers go into hiding. It's what you do because you fear that what's happened to your leader might happen to you. It's understandable what the disciples are doing here. Before they've gathered in this room, Jesus has appeared to Mary in the, in the garden next to the tomb. And then he's appeared to Cleophas and one other person on the road to Emmaus. Uh, and Cleophas and Mary, they, they come and tell the other disciples, they share this wonderful news, but it, it seems that their testimony has been met with, well, a cynicism, a high degree of scepticism. And that's understandable, isn't it? Because people don't rise from the dead. That's not what happens. Even Peter and John, who've seen the empty tomb of Jesus, don't seem entirely sure what's going on. Luke 24, 12 says how Peter leaves the tomb wondering what happens. He believes, but but in what sense? What does he believe? He's, He's not sure. And so here they are, cowering, wandering, fearful, sceptical disciples in the locked room, perhaps clinging to a tiny hope. And then Jesus comes and stands in the middle of them and he says, peace be with you. Try putting yourself in the room 
What would you be thinking? Do, do you remember when, um, when you were younger, when people tell, used to tell you a ghost story? And as people were telling you the story, you could feel the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You could feel the awkwardness. You could feel the uncomfortableness. Well, imagine you're not just hearing this story, but you're in it. You're together with your mates, hiding from people who you think will be after you. And suddenly, without any warning, there's someone stood in the middle of the room. I mean, it's not surprising they were frightened. We can understand why, as Luke tells us, the disciples thought Jesus was a ghost. But, I mean, who can walk into a locked room? And Jesus enters and he stands in the middle and he says, Peace be with you. And you think peace was probably the last thing the disciples were feeling. And so Jesus shows them his hands and his sides. And it's as if something suddenly clicks in the disciples' minds. They recognise him. They recognise who he is and their fear turns to joy as they recognise Jesus, his scars confirming his identity. Peace be with you. Now, now in one sense, there's, there's nothing unusual about Jesus using this greeting. Peace be with you was a, a very common greeting for people to use at the time. But here, in this moment, it is loaded with meaning. Because Jesus here is inviting the disciples to move from fear to peace. Again, try and put yourself in the mind of the disciples as they're in that room. And their eyes are open to suddenly who is standing in their mists. They're probably feeling awe, wonder, amazement, joy, a disbelief, hope. Things that Jesus said and done from the three years previously flashing through their minds. And it's, it's too much to take in. It's too overwhelming, but it's definitely him. And then you can begin to perhaps imagine they're gripped by another sort of fear. Fear that the Son of God, God in human form, is actually standing in the room with them. And then perhaps they feel shame. Because here is God himself, here is the saviour, his resurrection has proved it. And where does he find his supposedly most loyal, most trusted followers? Cowering in a locked room. Hidden away. Doubting. Cynical. Sceptical. How embarrassing. How exposing for the disciples. And Jesus says, peace be with you. You see, Jesus doesn't come into that room and want to expose the disciples' fear. He doesn't want to expose the disciples' lack of faith or their scepticism. He doesn't want them to feel the shame. He doesn't turn up and say, look, I told you, why didn't you believe me? He says, peace be with you. Jesus wants them to be at peace with him. And he wants that because that's what his death on the cross was all about. For on the cross we see Jesus is shamed before God the Father so that we might never have to be. Jesus faces God's anger and hostility. 
so that we might never have to fear him, but instead can be at peace with him. Peace be with you. This wasn't a greeting. This was a proclamation. This was an announcement. Jesus' resurrection changed everything for the disciples because it moved them from fear to joy, from fear to shame and peace. Verse 20, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw their Lord. If you're not, uh, yes, a Christian here with us this evening, then you're, you're very welcome. Let me just say that what Jesus says here is in a nutshell what Jesus offers you. Peace with God who made you and loves you. Peace now and peace for all eternity. And if you want proof that Jesus can deliver on that promise, then the resurrection is that proof. Peace be with you. It's an outlook-changing moment. Well, here's the second outlook-changing moment. It's this. Jesus says, verse 21, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I wonder if someone said to you or asked you what, what a missionary was, what you'd say. Some of us might have very nice little caricatures in our heads of what a missionary may or may look like, may or may not look like, and that may or may not include socks and open-toed sandals. See, when we think about missionaries, we often think of those really, really keen Christians the type of Christians who are willing to lay down everything and hop on a plane to outer Mongolia or sub-Saharan Africa and, and, and bear witness to the gospel. And we just, um, we're amazed by their devotion and willingness, their sacrifice. Perhaps we see mission as something we sort of go and do. Perhaps in a different context than the one we're normally in. It, it might be something that we take time out of our busy lives to do. We're going to go on mission. We're going to go and do a mission trip. However, the word mission derives from the Latin word missio, which means sent. Yeah, sent. Missionaries are sent ones. And that means, according to Jesus, that all Christians are missionaries. Because all Christians are sent ones. As the Father has sent me, so I... I'm sending you. Now the first thing this, this little phrase reveals, I think, is that God is a missionary God. Because he's always been the sending God. Jesus, God the Son, was sent by the Father. Jesus willingly comes. I guess you could say that Jesus was, if you like, the first missionary. For all eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have had this glorious plan to save and to call a people to share in the fellowship that they have enjoyed for eternity. To be known and to know God's. That is God's heart for us. And that's why God sends the Son. God is a missionary God. For God so loved the world, God's mission to the world overflows from his love that he sends his Son. And the Son bears witness to the Father. He becomes human. He becomes incarnate in the world. And he shares all that he has with the world. God is a missionary God. And so unsurprisingly, God's people are to be a missionary people. 
As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now, Jesus' commission here is to the disciples, first and foremost. So he sends the disciples out into the world in order to make Jesus known. And the model they are to follow is of the Father's sending of the Son. The disciples are to be incarnate in the world. That is, they're to live in the world. They're not to be hidden away in a locked room. Just like Jesus, they are to go to people. They are not just to sit back and wait for people to come to them. They are to share Jesus with the world through their words and their deeds. Now, Jesus' commission here to the disciples is unique. For what Jesus is commissioning them to do is to start the church. But we now are that church, or part of that church. And we are armed with their testimony. They wrote it down for us. And so God continues to send their words and his words into the world. But he does so through you and through I. So these words are just just as relevant to us today as they were to the disciples back then. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. If you are a Christian, you are a missionary because you are sent. Uh, So each of us is sent as a a representative, an ambassador, not to be hiding away in a nice building like this, but sent out into the world so that people who have not yet met Jesus might know him and be known by him. And so tonight I think Jesus challenges us to embrace our sentness. And to recognise that our home, our, our office, the school gates, our clubs, our friendships are the places that Jesus has sent us to live and speak for him. We don't go and do mission. We are on a mission because God has sent us. And I'm afraid that's true whether you like it or not. I mean, I wonder as we talk about us being missionaries, how that makes you feel. I mean, let's be honest. If God had said, look, come and be part of my family, but don't worry too much about the sharing Jesus bit with others. I'll take, that, I'll take care of that myself. Let's be honest. Would many of us be that bothered? So no one's, you, know, you don't have to do evangelism anymore. I'll, I've got that covered. Many of us find it hard. We're fearful. We... We find it scary. I wonder how the disciples felt when Jesus gave them this commission in a, in a locked room. That, you know, bearing in mind they sat there locked because they're scared. Only moments before this, if they'd been given a commission like this, they would have run a mile. But now things are different. And they're different because they've begun to realise that God's king... Jesus really is in charge because his resurrection proves it. And what Jesus said next would also make all the difference to how they felt. And he says this, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
You see, Jesus does not commission the disciples. He doesn't send them out by themselves. The disciples are sent out with the Holy Spirit. And with that, he breathed on them. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples would actually receive the Spirit uh, in Pente- at Pentecost, which you can read about in Acts, Acts chapter 2. So I think it's best to understand what's going on here, what Jesus is doing here in this breathing out, as if you like an enacted parable. What Jesus is doing is he's showing them what will happen in the very near future at Pentecost when the disciples will receive the Spirit. But he's showing them that the sending out will be accompanied by the Spirit. I doubt many of you can remember your first day at school, aged four or five. And because you can't remember it, I just want you to try and imagine what it would be like as a four-year-old. You arrive at school, you don't know anyone or anything You don't know where you're going. You've never been to the school before. And uh, at the school gates, your mother or father send you in. Got your rucksack, got your backpack, and they send you in. And you find your way to the classroom. Uh, You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're supposed to do. And it's a horrible, scary experience. You're so tiny, and it's a massive, big world out there. See, what a difference it will make to that little four-year-old if rather than being stood at the school gate and being sent in from a distance, their mother or father takes them by the hand and says, come on, let's go. I'll walk you in. And they walk them into the classroom and they, they show them round and they introduce their child to the teacher. Show them where they put their back. All the way offering them words of encouragement, words of, words of hope, words of comfort when they feel scared. Jesus doesn't send us out into the world, if you like, standing at the school gate and sending us in. Jesus says, I'm with you. He won't physically be with them, with the disciples, but he will not abandon them. For he will give them his Holy Spirit. He will be present with them by his Holy Spirit, comforting them, giving them encouragement, reminding them of their future hope. And today, Jesus sends us out with the testimony of his disciples that he commissioned here. But he doesn't abandon us. Abandon us. He sends us out with his Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. The fourth outlook-changing words are these. Well, it's not a direct quote, but I think this is the point of verse 23. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus sends the disciples out with the authority to proclaim forgiveness. Uh, Don't misunderstand this verse. What Jesus is not saying here is that who is forgiven and who is not forgiven is at the whim of the disciples. You know, a bit like picking teams on the school playground. I pick you, I pick you, I pick you, not having you. I don't think that's what Jesus is giving the disciples' authorities to do. No, what Jesus is saying is this. I'm sending you out, sending you out to share the gospel. He's sending them out to preach and teach about him. And where people stand with Christ will depend on how they respond to the disciples' preaching and teaching of the gospel. 
Jesus gives the disciples authority to speak on Christ's behalf. There will be power in their words. And how people respond to their words will be the difference between people receiving forgiveness and people not receiving forgiveness. It's only God that can actually forgive or not forgive. As one commentator said, the church can only declare what God has already done. Today, as we are sent out by Jesus into the world, we have written down for us the testimony of these disciples. Sent out by Jesus. And their words still have Jesus' authority. And whether or not we receive forgiveness or unforgiveness, whether or not people in the world receive forgiveness or, or do not, depends on, still depends now on how people respond to Jesus' words written down through the disciples. And so tonight, Jesus sends us out into the world with his spirit and with his authoritative and effective word to proclaim forgiveness. These are four things that have a massive impact on the disciples that changes their outlook. It starts here, it it culminates in Pentecost and it's a huge transformation. Let um, Let me finish with this. If you're a Christian here this evening, you and I are only here tonight because someone sent out by Jesus shared the good news of Jesus with you. That is the only reason you are here. And now Jesus sends out us into his world to do the same for others. And as a church and as individuals, we'll always be tempted to stay hidden away in a locked room. Because it's more comfortable, it's more cosy, it's safer. And I know what it's like because I'm just as scared as anyone else, but inviting people to an event or sharing your faith, living counterculturally, asking a friend to study and uncover, all these things are things we could feel fearful of, things we could be ashamed of. We could easily feel like we're not equipped for any of those things. But we're in good company, aren't we? Because the disciples were hardly the best bunch of evangelists you've ever seen at this stage, were they? The disciples were fearful. They certainly weren't equipped. But seeing the risen Lord Jesus and receiving peace with God through him, receiving the Spirit and being given God's authority to proclaim forgiveness changed everything. So tonight, perhaps we should pray that if we know Jesus' life and death and resurrection for ourselves, and we know peace peace through him, that we too would find that God replaces our fear and our shame with joy and with peace as he sends us out into his world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for these words. We thank you so much for this commission to your disciples. 
that through them is now passed on to us. We do pray that as we reflect on these things, as we reflect on what it means to be at peace with you, to receive your spirit, to be given authority in your word. We do pray that you would turn our fear into boldness, our shame into joy, as we are sent out as your missionaries into your world. And we pray this in the precious name of your dear Son. Amen.